episode of Generic Conversations. I'm your host, Jen Amos, and I want to say welcome. If you have not already, I really encourage you to listen to the trailer of this show. It's only about 10 minutes long, five minutes or less if you speed up the audio. That's what I personally like to do. Someone had recently asked me why I started Generic Conversations. I thought I would open up talking about it. Generic Conversations was inspired from the other two shows that I am fortunate to host, If you want to learn about those, uh, you can visit holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. This show is dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories for U.S. military families. My other show that I have the fortune of hosting with my co-host Nani is tfawproject.com. TFAW stands for the Filipino, that's F as in Frank, AmericanWomanProject.com, tfawproject.com. And this show is focused on telling stories and life lessons by American women of Filipino descent. So there's one thing I found in common with both of these shows, and it's that I have a love for uncovering stories and life lessons and breakthroughs while interviewing my guests. Obviously, those two shows are very niche, and so I decided to create generic conversations to speak at a more universal level for anyone around the world that is looking for that next epiphany, that next inspiration to get them out of their temporary funk or to inspire them to take their next step in whatever endeavor they're taking on. So that's a little bit about generic conversations. Really excited for this episode because this is the first of many conversations that I have been very fortunate to have with people around the world. But before I really jump into it, I wanna take a moment and talk about why I launched my show a week later than I had planned. Now, a lot of people won't notice. A lot of people just, you know, nowadays with all the streaming channels, you can just binge watch and you don't care when it was published. But I thought I would share because it's really important. I was planning on launching the show the first Friday of June, 2020. But during that week, the world took a pause and I felt like I had to as well. If you're listening to this at a later date, a couple of things have happened during this time and in the recent weeks, if not months. COVID-19, social distancing, peaceful protests, social injustice, riots, looting, reopening of businesses, and a possible second wave of COVID-19. Not to mention all the other current events around the world that are not as publicized as the things I have mentioned. We are living in interesting times. You gotta admit that. So I had decided to take a pause because it was a lot to take in and a lot to process. And even now, as I start this first episode, I wanna be vulnerable, candid, and transparent with you for a moment. Right now, I'm still processing everything. I'm finding my words and I'm deciding how to act accordingly while still showing up for my show and for everything else that I do. Some people may completely understand my position while some may call my inaction as a form of privilege. However you see it, this is where I'm at. There's a quote that's been on my mind lately by Alice Walker and it goes like this. The most common way people give up their power is by thinking that they don't have any. Generic Conversations is all about you listening to the discussions that I have with some incredible individuals long enough for you to find the inspiration you need to be the change that you want to see. 
whether it's in your life or what you do for others. I'd like to believe that conducting these conversations is my way of showing up and contributing to bigger conversations out there. And as you continue to listen, I hope that you find that as well. Anyway, these are my thoughts for now in regards to current events. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. You could be doing anything else right now, but you've chosen to listen to me, Jen Amos at Generic Conversations. And for that, I thank you. All right. I'm really excited to get into my first conversation. This conversation will have you thinking about what it would be like if you uprooted your life and moved to a totally different country with a whole different culture. What does it mean to love unconditionally? And how do you do it? And lastly, the consequences of pushing yourself really hard. A tip on how I encourage you to listen to these shows is to listen just long enough until you find the inspiration you need to get out of your temporary funk. Also, if you want, you can listen to it at two times speed. That's what I do. Or not, however you choose to digest this show is completely up to you. All right, thanks so much for listening and enjoy today's generic conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Generic Conversations, Generic with a J, where I'm very fortunate to have conversations that have me say I needed this. I'm Jen Amos, your show host, and I hope that you'll be saying the same thing, too. I'm really excited because I get to do my first interview for Generic Conversations. I want to introduce you all to Roman Miranov. Roman Miranov is a relationship coach in Toronto, Canada. He helps people create amazing and enviable relationships. He has been into self-improvement for over a decade and brings his best ideas and tools to people he works with. Roman is all about teaching insanely actionable strategies for happier relationships. You can contact him for a relationship breakthrough session through his website, romanmiranov.com. Roman, welcome to the show. Hi, Jen. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm really excited to dive into this conversation with you. I love talking about relationships. So I think I'm going to be picking your brain a lot <laughs> on this on this conversation today. Why don't we start with you sharing, how did you hear about generic conversations and what compelled you to join me on my show? Well, I've noticed your podcast through this platform, Podit, which is quite new. And I like your message. I like your invitation for guests. So, yeah. Very cool. And Podit is this online community where people can find guests or be guests on people's shows. If you want to learn more about that, you can check out my link, generic conversations, generic with a J.com. And I'll provide the resource there for you, especially if you are someone that's interested in being on shows or finding guests for your shows. Well, very cool. Thank you for sharing that with me. For people that are getting to know you for the first time, why don't you give us a snapshot of your life today, particularly what keeps you excited and busy nowadays? Yeah, I am a relationship coach. So my main goal professionally is to help people basically love unconditionally. That's my mission. And I also help them feel happier through growth, personal growth. Mm -hmm. And I also help them overcome obstacles that they're facing right now. And that's professionally. And personally, yeah, as you said, I live in Toronto. I've, I've actually been here for just one year. I moved from Russia to Canada. And hobby-wise, I'm into reading, biking, and snowboarding. Mm, you sound very active. <laughs> I guess I am. Yeah, yeah. I like <laughs> to be active. So uh, there's two things that stood out to me. First of all, you mentioned that you are living in Canada for your first year. 
What compelled you to come over to Canada? Well, it's actually, it's been my lifelong dream because, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit crazy. Almost 20 years ago, back in 2002, I went to work. So I went from Russia to the United States, Alaska. Mm -hmm. I went to work there for the entire summer for about four months in Denali National Park. And I loved it. I loved it so much because it was so different from what the situation was back in my country, Russia, back then. Mm -hmm. And I loved the language. I loved the community. I loved the entire atmosphere of living there. So I fell in love with, you know, with the United States and with North America in general. And yeah, since then, I, I've tried to, you know, find a way to come here, to live here like this. Yeah. And finally, my, my dream came true last year. Oh, that's really incredible. You know, I come from a family of immigrants and a lot of them, at least with my dad, the only reason why I'm American and can, you know, have a very clear American accent is because my dad joined the U.S. Navy and I was born on a military base in Japan. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of funny. So people wonder, like when people, you know, think I'm like ethnically ambiguous, I say to them like, well, you know, my parents are from the Philippines. They went to Japan because that's where my dad was stationed. I was born in Japan, but on American soil. So I am American. I don't speak Japanese. I'm not, you know, Japanese in any way. And I'm American. So it was just kind of funny to have to always explain that. But I had assumed that a lot of people in my position joined the military to come to America. But there are so many different ways people come here. And whenever I get an opportunity to hear those stories, it's really fascinating. But more importantly, it's very admirable, you know, because you give up everything you know behind for the chance at something else that you don't know exactly what it is. At least in my head, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I can't imagine being an American all my life to uproot myself and live somewhere else with a totally different language. People would probably make fun of my accent because I don't have their accent, you know, so I could only imagine. And, you know, there's a respect I have for people who just decide to live somewhere else <laughs> outside of their normal culture. So kudos to you for doing that. Yeah, I take it as a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. So now that you have achieved your dream, do you feel like it was worth it so far, like in this last year of you living in North America? <sighs> Look, it's, it's, it's a great question, actually. I like it because I'm thinking about it all the time. Well, not all the time, but I am thinking about it. Yeah. Because for one, that was definitely one of my biggest goals for my entire life. And it felt great to achieve it. But, you know, like many people who do that, they achieve their goal and then they ask themselves, is it all there is? Because one thing that I realized coming here to Canada is that I actually feel quite lonely because I left behind my family, my friends. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm 20 years old, right? I'm 37 now, which means that it's quite challenging for me. I mean, if I were 20, this would have been easier, mm -hmm. yeah, but I'm not exactly that flexible as I would have been at 20 years. So yeah, I feel a little bit lonely. That's, you know, that's a part of what I'm feeling today. So it's like a, you know, I have mixed feelings about it. First of yeah. all, I, I love it because... It's great. Canada and Toronto is great. I love how green it is. I love how organized everything is. Mm -hmm. I love the legal system. I mean, the courts and everything I like. I even like grocery stores. Like, <laughs> I like everything. I like that. Yeah, you like yeah, the simple and, things. <laughs> yeah. And 
I bike a lot and there are a lot of bike trails and mm-hmm. I can actually, you know, ride my bike right down the street, which is great because this is not something you can do in Russia. Mm. So yeah, I love it a lot, but there is still this component of, you know, feeling lonely and like, it's not, it's not like I'm having any back thoughts about it, but yeah. Of course. I mean, I think that when you transition, like for me, I have lived in the East Coast for, I think, almost three years now. And that first year was really hard for me. Like I had very mixed emotions of moving here because like I said, I had left everything behind in San Diego. I left my friends, my family, my business. I only came with like my husband and my dog. And even once we moved over here, he was gone the majority of the time, like going to meetings and working. And I was stuck with my dog. I almost felt like a Disney princess with an animal, you know, like an animal companion, <laughs> like stuck in a tower because we didn't have a car either. So I really felt like whatever everyone's going through right now with like, you know, the pandemic and being forced to stay at home. It's, it's like, well, I went through this already <laughs> just like a couple years ago, but I can imagine that I, I can understand that there are mixed emotions. And I feel like I need to connect with you a year from now to see if you feel any different, but it makes sense that, you know, it's not always easy to articulate like how you fully feel since you have decided to follow your dreams. You know, it's, it's like once you follow your dreams and they come true, it's like, now what? So I appreciate you being transparent and sharing that. Well, I do want to get a little bit into what you do as a relationship coach. And you had mentioned this early in our conversation that you like to teach people how to love unconditionally. I want to get into the word unconditionally. What does that mean to you? Because I think that A lot of us, when we fall in love, that's what we think we do. And I think many times, a lot of relationships end up becoming very conditional. Like, if you don't do this, then I won't do that. Or, you know, it it just seems like it gets to that point, even though that's what we all strive for. So what does unconditional love mean to you? And, you know, possibly how do you teach that to your clients? Okay. So for me, unconditional love equals putting your partner's needs first. Mm-hmm. You know, culture teaches us that we're supposed to feel love. Love is a feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's why we usually expect that our partner will make us feel love. Right? Mm-hmm. And only then, when they do so, we will reciprocate and love them back. I think we're getting this backwards. Mm. I believe that we really need to love our partner first. Mm-hmm which means loving unconditionally. And that's when we light them up and also we feel love. So we feel love by giving it. Mm. And an example that I use with my clients is, you know, a small child, an infant, a newborn, right? Why do you love him? There's no reason, right? There's no reason, yeah. Right, right. Just helping them survive until they can fend for themselves 18 years Mm. later. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I don't have any kids, but I would imagine that, like, I'll think about my dog. Why do I love my dog? I have to feed my dog. I have to bathe my dog. I need to take him out. I need to do all these things for him. But he loves me unconditionally because of it. Like, he's always there for me. He's always trying to make me happy. So that's what I think about and, like, why I love him. It's that feeling he gives me, I think, as a result of what I give him, you know, and I think that's an example of what you're saying to, you know, to when you unconditionally love someone to put their needs first. So am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I I think you're pretty close. So are you saying that you love him 
for for the feeling of of love that he gives you is that right he's literally right next to me <laughs> he's like right here and i think just just his loyalty and his presence and his eagerness to always want to know what's next like i know the moment i put down my earbuds he's going to be like okay what are we what are you doing next like where are you going and i think just that attentiveness that he gives me makes me feel loved so i think i don't know if that answers your question <laughs> but yeah that's how i feel well that's the opposite of unconditional love oh okay all right okay well school me <laughs> Okay, you say that you love him or mainly for the attention that he gives you, right? Yes. That's what unconditional love is not. It's having mm. a reason to love someone. Mm. Unconditional love is about having no reason, loving the other person just for who they are, regardless of what they do. Mm. Okay, that's really interesting. So my, you know, I think about like the last two years of how, I've really just been supporting my husband. And I feel like a lot of what I've been doing is being there for him, being available for him, like focusing on like his needs. And how do you respond to people who actually do put other people first, like almost all the time and yet feel unfulfilled by that, or maybe don't feel like their love is reciprocated? Because I think for me, it's like I had to learn to put my needs first after a while because I felt like if I just kept focusing on his needs, I felt like I was running out of, how do I say it? Like I was just running out of like just the endurance to focus on him and like what his needs are. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But I think you're talking about two different things. Mm -hmm. So let me try answer the first question. You don't want to put your partner's needs first for too long because mm -hmm. it won't make sense. For example, you keep investing in them a lot all the time for years and they don't reciprocate it doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. so you mm -hmm. should set a time limit for that and normally i recommend a time limit of just three months because mm. if you do it for three months and it doesn't work it's not going to work the other person won't reciprocate i see so so what i'm hearing from you is that when you when you do love someone you focus on their needs first you kind of put a time limit on it though. Let's say you give it like three months. And if you feel like it's not reciprocated, then you're probably falling into a toxic relationship. Is that what it sounds like? Exactly. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So I probably should have divorced them a long time ago. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're doing fine. Counseling and all. Uh, well, cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for elaborating that because you know, I come from a background where the woman has to always be the matriarch and has to put everyone else first, you know? And so to me, that makes sense. When you say put people's needs first, like I completely get that. And then I eventually got to a place where I ran out of the resources to fulfill other people's needs. I started to feel depleted. And so I had to learn how to put myself you know, put myself first again. And so to me, it sounds like there's different phases to it. So the unconditional love is putting other people first, but if it's not getting reciprocated, then you probably have to, you know, kind of reevaluate that relationship. But if it is reciprocated, then that's a really good thing. It sounds like you're in a good place in your relationship. Yeah. A legendary relationship. <laughs> a say. legendary relationship? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Do you have in your coaching, it sounds like, do you maybe like label certain types of relationships, like what's considered a good relationship? Because it sounds like when you said legendary relationship, that sounds like maybe the ideal relationship you're trying to aim for. 
Hey there, taking a quick moment to talk about one of our incredible sponsors here at Generic Conversations. Captivate is the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier, especially me as an independent podcaster, is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. I recently heard that if you have a talk show that you have integrated into your website, it actually hurts your CEO more than helps your CEO. So this is a great way to separate your website from your podcast show. Also, if you're about to start podcasting or you're getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, consider a seven-day free trial with Captivate by visiting genericconversations.com. Generic is spelled with a J, like Jack or Jen. So once again, that's genericconversations.com. Genericconversations.com also lists other freebies thanks to our incredible sponsors. With that said, let's get back into the show. Well, I would say that definitely the best type of a relationship is the one that's based on unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And that's where we all want to go. Yeah, that's one thing. Another type is a relationship which, which has love, maybe even unconditional love, but there is no passion. Because these are two different things. Mm-hmm. Unconditional love is feeling grateful for the other person, you know, praising them, lighting them up with smiles and so on. But passion is all about sexual polarity. So you mm-hmm. also need that in your relationship. Normally, I talk to couples with, you know, regular couples with a feminine woman and a masculine man. And if these two qualities are well-developed in both of them, there is sexual polarity. So both mm-hmm. are attracted to each other. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, very interesting. I feel like I want to continue to to press upon this word like unconditional because I think it's worth talking about because I know plenty of people who have experienced divorce or, you know, find themselves in one relationship after the next. And so can you give some, just maybe a couple of more examples of someone who wants to love unconditionally, but they actually don't know how to put it into practice? Like how would that look like? And, and what can you share about that? Look, I think as, as with all qualities that you want to develop in yourself, there are, there are two levels. So the first level is actually developing this unconditional love in yourself, like understanding it deeply, understanding the concept, both Mm -hmm. intellectually and spiritually, psychologically. That's the first level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The second level is using, you know, tips, strategies, and tools. Let me give you examples of both. Okay. So for... I developed unconditional love by, first of all, thinking a lot about my divorce that happened six years ago and going over my mistakes, the things that I did wrong. And yeah, just thinking about that and realizing that I wasn't really loving my ex-wife. What I did was, you know, just expecting her to, to live up to my crazy standards. That's it. So I always had my expectations. And Mm -hmm. this is something that's totally inconducive to unconditional love. So when you think about it, you come to understand it on at a deeper level, the the very concept of unconditional love. And the second thing that helped me on this level was reading the book by Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's a good book. It's a good book. And I mean, it has a lot of aspects to it, a lot of great ideas, great concepts, but I think 
you know, unconditional love is this underlying concept that goes throughout the entire book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say yeah, doing a lot of inner work and then reading very inspiring books like this, that's what makes you understand unconditional love. The second thing are actual strategies for mm-hmm. doing that. And well, one good strategy that actually comes from the seven habits of highly effective people is having long and deep conversations with your partner. You start with those conversations every day and you spend at least one hour, mm-hmm. ideally two hours. Ideally, you need to go away. Maybe you drive your car somewhere or you just take a walk in a park, ideally. And you talk to your partner, you ask them quality questions, you listen to them very attentively. And after an hour of this, about one hour into the conversation, magic happens because the partner opens up to you at a new level mm-hmm. and they feel heard out. They feel understood. They feel very significant. They feel the connection and love from you. And that's it's a totally new level. Mm-hmm. And then they also reciprocate usually in that conversation, maybe in the ones that will follow. But yeah, that's something specific that it can do. Yeah, for sure. And if people want more advice or more specifics on that, they could definitely reach out to you and talk to you about that. Yeah, absolutely. Or if they just, you know, visit my website, they will quickly stumble upon a a PDF with seven tips about seven common mistakes that couples do. Very cool. You mentioned in sharing your story about your divorce, which I appreciate you uh, being open about, that you had high expectations of your ex-wife. And I think that's really big of you to say. I feel that in general, most men, it's difficult for most men to admit certain things or to talk about their feelings, I think. And for you to say that you, taking personal responsibility to say that you had high expectations, when did you realize that was the case that like maybe if you didn't have as high expectations the relationship probably would have turned out differently i would say a couple of years after divorce actually Mm -hmm. yeah so i needed that distance to really look back and be subjective about my experiences Mm -hmm. awesome well that's really cool i imagine that inspired you to become a relationship coach exactly exactly yeah yeah and i also you know even though I had been married for 11 years, at that point, I almost had zero experience with women. <laughs> See, like serious experience because my ex-wife, she, I hadn't needed to do anything to win her because she sort of, you know, had fallen into my lap. Mm. Yeah, I had been lucky. Mm-hmm. And throughout our entire 11 years together, I treated her as if she were a man because I hadn't known any better. Mm-hmm. And when when we, we got a divorce, of course, I had to, you know, finally hit the dating world. And <laughs> basically what I did, I had to learn everything from scratch. And I had to go out and test every dating and relationship tip like on myself. Yeah, no, for sure. I had a I call him my college sweetheart. We met in college and we were together for six, seven years. This, I say six or seven because that last year was pretty, pretty complicated or it was a little, little messy. And, you know, I, I had assumed that I was going to marry this guy. It, was, it, it seemed like 
the logical next step for us because we were getting more established in our careers and like we were together for so long. And, but after that, after we had broken up, I definitely spent about like two years just online dating and I wasn't necessarily trying to find the one. There's a lot of people that say, or or some people will tell you, oh, you got to be alone for at least five years. Like you got to like discover yourself before you start dating. And I'm like, no, I'm like, the only way I'm going to learn about like what I want or not want in a relationship is to go dating. And so I did that for two years and I made a lot of mistakes and, you know, long and behold, I have my husband today. And I just think that I think it's okay to, to give yourself permission to, to make those mistakes. And not every person that you date is going to be the love of your life or the person that you're going to marry. And so I think it's just really cool that you did that. You experimented on yourself <laughs> by dating and learning all these things. And you can now say, you know, to your clients, you know, from personal experience, like why you recommend the strategies that you, you recommend. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And well, once again, I want to say kudos to you for getting back to the dating world so quickly, because <laughs> this is what I always recommend. Mm-hmm. So many people don't want to do that. They want to spend time grieving. You know, our mind is so habitual. And when we start grieving, it's easier for our mind to continue grieving, actually. So yeah. we can fall into that rut and we can continue in it for years. That's what some people do. Mm-hmm. The idea is to be proactive. That's what I like. You are proactive. You take some time. You take a few weeks or maybe a month to recover from the breakup. But then you need to get back right in into the dating world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I guess there was a part of me that didn't want to give any person that power that, oh, like you broke my heart. So I'm going to grieve for so long. It's like, nah, I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm going to learn about myself. I know that I'm still marketable. Like I know that I'm worth something and I know that there's someone out there that like loves me. And you know, the the craziest thing is that I didn't meet my husband online. He actually was introduced to me through a friend. So it was really cool to have that, you know, field experience with the online dating scene. And then ultimately when I did meet someone, it was like, oh, cool. Like that that worked out. And I mean, obviously our marriage is like not perfect. I'm not going to like act like I'm living a happily ever after, but I'm just so glad that I personally had gone through those experiences of dating and meeting people to, you know, be able to be a lot more wiser in my new relationship or in my marriage. So, well, awesome. I do want to ask you one more question. I don't feel like it's necessarily like relevant to this. I feel like we've been having a really good conversation, but I do want to bring this in anyway. And, you know, really the heart of generic conversations is to share uh, personal discoveries. And you have done an incredible job just, you know, sharing your story so far and what you've been through and, you know, why you do what you do today. I know that there's one more personal discovery you want to share, and it's about how you were pushing yourself really hard in 2018. So do you want to tell us that story of how you're pushing yourself really hard? And what did you learn about that experience? Mm-hmm. All right. At that point, that was around fall 2018. I was running my translation business. Mm-hmm. And which at that point I had been doing for 14 years. And I had been both a, like a, the CEO uh, the sales manager, the project manager, and the, the editor and translator. I had a small team, and what I did at that point, I was able to hire a project and a sales manager. And this is a very great person. Mm-hmm. And what he did 
he took over all my uh, duties in, in the company. So mm -hmm. suddenly I went from working maybe 12 or 14 hour days to having nothing to do at all. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And as a workaholic, as a recovering workaholic, <laughs> that was very painful for me. You know, I used to fulfill my needs for significance and mm -hmm. growth by my work. And now those needs were not fulfilled anymore. So I started to maybe a little bit like unconsciously look for ways to, to fulfill those needs. And I discovered running for myself. So I mm -hmm. started to run almost every day. And yeah, I was running almost every day. And just being a, an overachiever, I made myself track the whole process. So I, I was using an app to make sure that I run at a particular speed. I was mm -hmm. measuring my distance and my distances kept getting longer and longer. And so basically I would spend at least one hour running at a pretty mm -hmm. high speed. And then I would also, on some days I would take it to about seven miles, which is about 20 kilometers. So I was depleting myself. I was losing weight very quickly. And the next thing I knew, I fell into mild depression. Wow. Yeah. I want to add something. I think that's so interesting because I have a good friend from college who like loves running and he loves exercising and he actually worked out of his depression because of exercise. And so I think it's so interesting how you ran yourself into mild depression. Yeah. Yeah. It, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on, in my case, it was about intensity and I was mm -hmm. overdoing it. I was overdoing it so heavily that I literally depleted everything that was in my body. I didn't even have any fat. Wow. <laughs> Some people would envy that, by the way. <laughs> Look, uh, because they don't know how it feels, actually. They don't realize how, for example, how cold it feels when you don't have any fat. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to protect you, actually. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I believe you. <laughs> Yeah, so my personal discovery with that process was, was that I can't push myself too hard. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm too intense, it's okay sometimes. I, as a workaholic, as an, an overachiever, I need to strive for a balance. I, ca I can't be too, too hard on myself all the time. Because mm -hmm. this is a way for me right into a depression. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that because I know right now with a lot of places being told, having the executive order to stay at home, are they doing that over there in Canada as well? Are you being told to stay at home? Recommended. Okay, recommended. Yeah. I feel like our particular neighborhood, we sort of live in this bubble because people are, I mean, all the restaurants are closed, but people are still like having house parties left and right. <laughs> and we're not supposed to like hang out on the beach, but people are still like walking on the beach. And it's, it's just really funny. Like I, I don't feel like the pandemic has like spread over here for some reason. But, you know, one thing that this uh, stay at home executive order has given a lot of people is finally time to slow down and look at themselves. And a lot of people struggle with that. I have a really close friend, like she was 
really struggling for a little bit because she thought, you know, I didn't realize this, but I found a lot of my self-worth in performance and in performing in front of people and getting that praise and saying, hey, good job. Like, you're really good at what you do. And at home, you don't get that <laughs> as much. And so I think this is a really good, you know, personal discovery to share because I think a lot of people are going through it right now. And hopefully when the dust settles and you realize this is going to be the new normal for a while, that you could find that balance. Be like, yeah, it's okay. You don't have to be a workaholic. I know that's how you identified as and you found your self-worth in, but like now I think is a time to discover what else or where else can you find your self-worth in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very good point. We, yeah. it's, we, we, you know, so many cultures now, they teach people that they're not enough. They need to work a lot. They need to be busy. Yep. But that's not true. That's not true. We, yeah. we are enough. I, I was talking to my dad yesterday. He's, mm-hmm. he's back in Russia and he, well, he, he's in a pretty good position financially, but what, what he told me, it really struck me. Uh, he, he was talking about the whole financial situation in Russia in general is, is pretty grim mm-hmm. because the government is not supporting the people. So mm-hmm. people don't have any work now. They don't work because they are in this so-called self, self-quarantine. Mm-hmm. And so they basically are already out of money. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the whole situation is quite quite challenging. And, and he said that he, he doesn't really care because if things you know, get too bad for him financially, he would, he would just go to a warmer part of the country. <laughs> okay. He, he has go. a tent. <laughs> he, he doesn't eat much. Like he's a, he's a very moderate eater. And he mm-hmm. said, I, I would live just on the coast, on the beach in my tent and mm-hmm. I'll be fine. That's it. So I'm giving this example just, just to show you that, yeah, we need to seek that balance. We're okay. We're initially okay. And we don't really need, for example, money as much as we think we do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, for myself, I had been self-employed for the majority of my adult life. And I've never been wealthy in this process of figuring out this whole life. But I don't think I could be any happier because of the life I've choose to live and the connections I choose to have. And yeah, people, I think when some people start to realize that money isn't everything and that you can lean against people, I almost wonder if like, you know, the reason why people aspire to have a lot of money is to have that sense of independence. But with the less money you have, and you could see a lot of this in third world countries, like the more dependent you are on other people. And I think that's what this quarantine has done for a lot of us is to reconnect with our loved ones and to uh, build that sense of community again. So as grim as it can be for a lot of people, I'd like to believe that there's still a silver lining in all of this. There is. There is. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Roman Miranov, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. I needed this conversation. So thank you for spending time with me today to share your story and your background and what you do as a relationship coach. Why don't you share with people one more time how they can get a hold of you if they want to learn about your services? Yeah, please go to www.romanmiranov.com, which is spelled R-O-M-A-N-M-I-R-O-N-O-V.com. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Roman, thank you again so much for your time. And to our listeners, if you didn't catch that, don't worry. I always like to include the contact information in the show notes. So you're welcome. So with that said, thank you all so much for listening. And we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode.
All right. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the first official episode of Generic Conversations. If you enjoyed today's conversation, I encourage you to visit genericpodcast.com. That's generic with a J as in Jack or Jen, like my name, genericpodcast.com and subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and find me on social media so we can continue the conversation. Last but not least, if you had an epiphany on today's episode, please, please write a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts and let us know. I'd love to hear how this conversation had inspired you. Thanks so much. Chat with you later. Thank you.